Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. And welcome to season three. We're going to start off this show with the final installment in our ongoing docuseries, It Really Shouldn't Take 22 Days to Elect a Speaker. Move on to the latest mass shooting in Maine and follow all of that up with some shocking revelations coming out of Israel's genocidal attack on Palestine. Let's begin, shall we? This week was insane. First, we heard Vladimir Putin was found unresponsive and face down on the floor of his bedroom and rushed to a hospital where it was determined he suffered from a heart attack. And then the Kremlin clarified those reports, saying Vlad was just interrupted during his daily meditation routine, which just so happens to do face down when he's on the floor of his bedroom. Oh, and there was that Alaskan Airlines pilot who decided he had had enough and he was going to take everyone on the plane down with him. This morning, the off-duty pilot accused of trying to take down a passenger plane heading to court to face more than 100 charges, including 83 counts of attempted murder. 44-year-old Joseph Emerson allegedly trying to crash an Alaska Airlines flight from Everett, Washington to San Francisco on Sunday with 84 people on board. We've got the uh, guy that tried to shut the engines down uh, out of the cockpit. Emerson sitting in the jump seat of the Embraer E-175 cockpit, situated right behind this instrument console between the captain and co-pilot. According to a federal official, he allegedly tried to pull the engine fire extinguisher handles located right here before being subdued by the flight crew. Holy forking shirt falls. I guess chewing on a bag of shrooms isn't really a good idea if you're an off-duty pilot. Of course, riding in the cockpit. Yeah, you heard me. Joseph Emerson, formerly known as a pilot for Alaska Airlines, was tripping balls when he tried to shut down the plane's engines mid-flight. The man told the pilots flying the plane he was not okay before he pulled the red fire handles, which activates the plane's air compression system and stops fuel from getting to the engines. It took 30 seconds and several flight attendants to hold this whacked out pilot down long enough to tie him to a seat, of course not located in the cockpit, but damn, those must have been some good shrooms. And while we're on the subject of people on dangerous substances that make you homicidal and obviously ill-equipped to do your job, the last time we checked in on the House of Representatives, they still could not elect a speaker. Perhaps because the most viable candidate they had at the time was told to drop out of the race by the entire Republican caucus. That candidate is Jim Jordan, and good riddance to the insurrectionist planner and pedophile apologist who has never passed a law or even sponsored a bill that has passed a vote. And he's had his job for 16 years. (laughs) The wonders of gerrymandering. What other job allows you to absolutely suck at what you do and yet 
have no threat of losing your job because the district you represent is conveniently shaped so Democrats don't have any voting power. But the search for America's next House Speaker didn't stop with gerrymander Jordan because next up for public humiliation, enter Republican Majority House Whip Tom Emmer. House Majority Whip Tom Emmer has won the GOP nomination for Speaker. According to GOP Conference Chair Elise Stefanik, she just congratulated Republican Whip Tom Emmer as the Speaker designate. A few moments later. House Majority Whip Tom Emmer has dropped out of the race for Speaker. By the afternoon, Minnesota Congressman Tom Emmer had clinched the nomination. By 5 p.m., he had dropped out. Emmer's decision came after he did not get enough support today from the more conservative lawmakers among House Republicans. Trump came out against Emmer shortly before he ended his speaker's bid. <laughs> this Emmer guy was the speaker nominee for just four hours. <laughs> I can't even with these people. <laughs> First, it takes 15 rounds and some empty promises for the worst Kevin to get the gavel. And thanks to one of his promises, the maggots yeeted him out of the speaker's chair like he was a late-term abortion just after 10 months. Pedophile adjacent Jim tried his hand and failed hilariously for three rounds of Republicans just aren't that into you. Then this Ember guy can't take being the nominee for more than four hours because drinks with two hands doesn't like him and said it publicly. But then all of a sudden there was a candidate for the speaker who could speak for all Republicans. And yes, even the maggots could vote for. And that man, his name is Mike Johnson. <laughs> And I know I didn't make that name up, although I have to admit it does sound like an alias a teenager would put on their fake ID, but who am I to talk? <laughs> All kidding aside, who is this basic bitch of a man with a basic bitch sounding name who's now third in line for the presidency should anything happen to the president and his veep? Well, I will let the media explain that one to you. Johnson has previously opposed more U.S. aid for Ukraine. Johnson has opposed abortion rights and supports a nationwide abortion ban, without exceptions. And last month, he voted against a deal cut with Democrats to keep the government open. Johnson is a staunch Trump ally who recruited Republicans to sign on to efforts to overturn the 2020 election. And he was a leading voice in Republican efforts to overturn the 2020 election and even played into conspiracy theories about voting machines being tampered with, which were widely discredited. I don't know about you, but all I can hear are the White Claws cracking open now that the most unsuspecting January 6th architect is the Speaker of the House of Representatives. That's right. Trader Johnson not only spearheaded an amicus brief signed by 100 Republicans who were all in favor of a lawsuit in Texas that tried to overturn the 2020 election vote count in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Why? Because all of those states went for Joe Biden. This little maggot voted against accepting the certification of the 2020 election votes once they all got to Capitol Hill on January 6th, and it doesn't stop there. 
when it comes to abortion, Closet Incel Mike has one of the most offensive stances I have ever heard in all of my 46 years. Not that every other excuse for controlling women's bodies isn't an ignorant word salad concocted by a man who thinks he's a good guy, but the only Mike who plays with his Johnson because no one else will, takes the good old-fashioned misogyny to a level of capitalism that makes me shake my head, and I'm sure George Orwell facepalm in his grave because he didn't think of it. Here is Speaker Mike in his own words explaining why every sperm is sacred. Roe v. Wade gave constitutional cover to the elective killing of unborn children in America, period, you think about the implications of that on the economy. We're all struggling here to, to cover the bases of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all the rest. If we had all those able-bodied workers in the economy, we wouldn't be going upside down and toppling over like this. Listen, the gentleman I, I will not yield. I will not. Roe was a terrible corruption of America's constitutional jurisprudence. Okay, it is going to take all of the woman in me to hold it together because... It's obvious the Republican Party just isn't sending their best. Of course, 1950s Mike is against gay marriage, gay rights, and basically gay people in general. And he thinks every American woman owes capitalism at least one child sacrifice each. This guy is the congressman from Louisiana, the same Louisiana that voted for a former grand wizard of the KKK to state government and then nearly made him a U.S. senator back in the long ago time of 2016. Oh, and while we're on the subject of Louisiana not sending their best to Capitol Hill, the newly elected Speaker of the House said this stupid thing about the recent mass shooting in Maine, which claimed the lives of 15 people and injured 13. Roll tape. This is a dark time in America. We have a, a, a lot of problems, and we're really, really hopeful and prayerful. Prayer is appropriate in a time like this, that the evil can end and this senseless violence can stop. At the end of the day, it's, the problem is the human heart. It's not guns, it's not the weapons. At the end of the day, we have to protect the, the right of the citizens to protect themselves, and that's the Second Amendment. And that's why our party stands so strongly for that. This is not the time to be talking about legislation. We're in the middle of that crisis right now. Oh, no. The Republicans in the House of Representatives can't even be bothered talking about guns. Maybe that's because this is the mass shooting that marks the 565th mass shooting since 2023 began. Or, if you ask me, I don't even think they can count that high. Or, if we want to give them the benefit of the doubt, perhaps it is the fact that the shooter, Robert Card, who is now deceased thanks to a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, was the poster boy for the good guy with a gun. Robert Card, what we know and what we don't know. He's a trained firearms instructor. He uh, was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks during the summer of 2023. During that time, there was information that he recently stated he was hearing voices that he'd made threats to shoot the National Guard base in Saco, Maine. Well, if he was committed to a mental facility, how could he possibly possess the gun? But Based on our preliminary look of uh, some of the laws in Maine, it's not a situation where they uh, would have been lawfully able to get the gun from them. 
of course this guy was able to keep his guns, even though he was a perfect fit for Maine's yellow flag law, which was implemented in 2019. That law says law enforcement can seize a Maine resident's guns if they pose a danger to themselves or others. Unfortunately, and not at all uncommon, that law was not enforced when the mass shooter was charged three separate times for domestic violence or when his ex-wife got a restraining order because she was scared. And the police in Maine didn't give two shits when the shooter's own parents called them before the shooting, weeks before the shooting, and warned that he was a danger to himself and others. Which brings me back to Speaker Mike, who happens to spell his name with three Ks, who said it is the heart and the mental state of the person, not the gun, that's the problem. Because if Jesus Freak Mike gave a rat's ass about mental health, why in 2022 did he vote against mental health expansion and funding outlined in the Mental Health Matters Act? (laughs) Isn't it ironic? Immediately after a mass shooting where a well-trained gun instructor with a history of beating his wife, well now ex-wife, is hearing voices and has the desire to shoot up a military base, goes on a rampage through the streets of Lewiston, Maine, forcing the town to go on lockdown for 48 hours while this nature-loving, heavily armed and well-trained, definitely not a good guy but definitely has a gun, goes into the woods and shoots himself. And Don't Give a Fuck Mike is on Fox, not a news channel, talking about it's not guns, it's mental illness. You know what? Shut the fuck up with the Ouroboros talking point because Republicans have been regurgitating this for decades and nothing has been done. Mass shootings are now a feature of living in the United States instead of a preventable tragedy, which, by the way, it totally is. Our gun laws focus on the point of purchase moment, whether or not in that moment he or she is fit to own this gun which is the lowest bar imaginable and the worst standard when considering whether or not someone should have access to a weapon. Because with laws on the books, either not enforced or ignored, the reality is people who should not have been given a gun in the first place are able to purchase them lawfully every day all over the country. And with no follow-up after the purchase of point inquiry, when the gun owner goes from responsible to what the fuck were you thinking selling that crazy motherfucker a gun, there is nothing we can do but wait for them to start shooting up a bowling alley or a school, a grocery store, a movie theater, a church, especially if there's black people in it, and any motherfucking place you can think of because it's getting really hard to find anywhere in America that you can be safe from spontaneous gunfire. And for those of you in the back, did you know, bless your heart, Mike, is a Republican Jesus freak with overt Christian nationalist tendencies? For example, he let this dribble out when he accepted his speakership. I want to tell all my colleagues here what I told the Republicans in that room last night. I don't believe there are any coincidences in a matter like this. I believe that Scripture, the Bible, is very clear 
that, that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. 1962, that, that our national motto, in God we trust, was adorned above this rostrum. These words were placed here above us. This motto was placed here as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and communism, which begins with the premise that there is no God. This is a critical distinction that is also articulated in our nation's birth certificate. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal. And they are endowed by the, the same inalienable rights, with the same inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Oh, your God. So, folks, this is what you get when you spend 40 some odd years defunding the public school system and the fact that the Christian religion kind of rots your brains. But hey, yeah, we got In God We Trust plastered all over our legislative branch of government and our money after the fascist communist scare in the 1950s. But never mind that our founding fathers came up with a goddess named Columbia and put her face on our nation's currency, even placing a statue of her on the top of the Capitol building in the District of Columbia, the same building Mikey the Good Christian Johnson was standing in when he lied about the religious intentions of our founding fathers. Because for your God's sake, it is in the First Amendment, and I quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And again, they put it in Article 5, which states, and I quote, No religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. And for guys named Mike with three K's, by the way, no matter how badly you want white nationalists to have America as a Christian nation, we are not, nor have we ever been, an ethnostate. And hopefully we never will be, at least if enough people get out and vote in 2024. And speaking of ethnostates gone war criminal, the Israeli attack on the Gaza Strip, otherwise known as the world's first open-air prison, is still ongoing. Israel is boasting about hitting over 7,000 targets in Gaza, which included residential homes, a church, several hospitals, and a heavily crowded open market, which I'm sure that was filled with Hamas militants standing directly behind everyone else. Meanwhile, at the Egyptian border with Gaza, a CNN reporter found out Karma is a hell of a girl in the form of Rama Zen, an Egyptian woman helping, or at least trying to help, get aid into Gaza. Rama caught up with CNN's Clarissa Ward. She got her attention, and then she explained it all to her. Roll tape. Thousand plus Palestinian babies die. You don't feel the same. You don't feel the same as when I tell you one of your own has died. But these are our own. 
and it is unfair and Egypt will stand with Palestine. All Western channels are talking for Israel. If the United Nations is standing for Israel, if all these international institutions are standing for Israel, who's there for the Palestinians? And don't call it a war. The jargon is even more infuriating. It's not a war. They're not on equal footing. It is not a war. That woman isn't wrong. Israel gets $3.8 billion from the United States in weaponry and military aid. Did you know the Israeli jet fighters shooting missiles at civilian targets in Gaza right now are American-made? And the first thing Speaker Mikey, with three Ks, did when he became Speaker is announce that he is going to introduce a bill that pledges America's undying support to Israel and fuck all to the Palestinians. Okay, he didn't say that last part about the Palestinians, but he might as well have because the media in the United States is controlling the narrative in favor of the Israeli government who have already been caught lying about headless babies. And for example, CNN, the last bastion of clickbait editors, decided to just flat out lie about conditions two Israeli women experienced while being held hostage by Hamas. The headline read, released hostage, I went through hell. And yes, one of the two women did say she went through hell, but she also said a fuck done more. In fact, I will let her daughter explain. My mom is saying that they, they were very friendly towards them and that they took care of them, that they were given their medicine and they were uh, treated. One of the men with them um, had a badly injured from, for, uh, from a motorbike accident on the way and the paramedic was looking after his wounds. He was given uh, uh, medicine and antibiotics. Uh, that the people were friendly, that they kept the place very clean. They were very concerned about that. That woman was speaking for her mother, who said that she went through hell, and she absolutely did. But she also said all of that, and that did not end up in CNN's report. And no, I am not excusing kidnapping people. But as far as hostage situations go, I can't help but notice this woman went out of her way to say she was treated well, which I guess is a bit of a shock for Americans, you know, the, the whole thing is like black and white. There's never any gray. And I can see that this might trigger your confirmation bias, like the Zionist adjacent celebrities who signed a thank you card to Joe Biden recently for backing Israel's genocide. I, I mean, defending itself. And while some of the names did not surprise me, like Gal Gadot and Amy Schumer, Adam Sandler, I have to say Jordan Peele? What the fuck is wrong with you? Your directorial debut was a movie about the colonization of black people to the extent white people were literally stealing their bodies. And you can't see the correlation between the plight of the American black person and the struggles of the Palestinian brown people. And I don't want to hear it. Don't blame Jordan being married to a Jewish woman because she didn't sign that card. And you know who else didn't sign that thanks for Biden card? (laughs) 
that, hey, I support genocide as long as Israel gets to defend itself card. John, a nice Jewish boy, Stuart, who feels so strongly about not towing the media Zionist perspective of the Palestinian people, he just quit his job at Apple TV. John Stewart's Apple TV show The Problem with John Stewart is done after two seasons. Staff members say Stewart told them last night he and Apple executives agreed to pull the plug. The former Daily Show host had creative control over the show, but again, according to staff members, Stewart told them the company had concerns about the subject matter for the upcoming season. The planned topics included China, Israel, and AI. Now, the whole thing with China and AI, I can totally understand. Because Apple is always trying to stay in China's good graces since the market is worth more than $68 billion for them. And AI, that's probably how Apple is going to be doing their movies and television shows in the future if they can't get their shit together along with the other studios so actors can get back to work. But the fact that John's planned coverage of Israel in the now-canceled season three was mentioned as one of the three reasons he quit the show, to me, is quite telling. John has been vocal over the years about his support of the Palestinian people, calling the government of Israel out for being a war criminal. Of course it is. And apparently Apple isn't ready to wager their two trillion dollar stake in tech partnerships with israel over john's emmy nominated show and that's all i have to say about that new episodes of this week again air every sunday we are now in season three but you can catch up with season one and two and follow the show on social media wherever you can find us you can listen on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon, or basically anywhere you find your podcasts. And thank you so much for listening to this show. Today for now.